Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. What a day. In the something, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Can we give God thanks? This is an amazing day we get to wake up to every day. And this is an incredible day to talk about something that we are all enamored with. Love. We love love, don't we? I mean, one study that examined the top 10 songs from 1968 to 71, and then from 2002 to 2005, revealed that 60% of our favorite songs are all about love. Are you surprised? Our, our, Our world is in love with love. I mean, we pursue it, we talk about it, we sing about it, we dream about it, we want it for ourselves. Love. And if you know anything about the Apostle John, you know that love was a popular theme for him. The Bible says that John was the apostle that Jesus loved. And it wasn't that Jesus didn't love the other apostles. It's just that there was some kind of special relationship between them. And it was John who later quoted Jesus by saying, By this will all people know you are my disciples if you love one another. In fact, there's this ancient tradition that says that when John was a very old man, The elders in Ephesus would carry him into the assembly. They would sit him down. He would look at all those who gathered and say, dear children, let us love one another. Can you imagine that? Being there, responding to that. And in light of this, how would you define love in just one sentence? What would you say it is? And allow me to take that a bit deeper. What kind of person is hardest for you to love? Probably people who ask you that question, maybe. Uh, I ask because, after all, there are plenty of loving non-Christians in our world today, right? I mean, they love their families, they love their friends, they love their co-workers, and sometimes they even love their in-laws. But Christians, we are the only ones who are told to love our enemies. Think about that. We love despite what another person does or says to us. And why is showing that kind of love so essential? Well, because by this, all people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So Christ's love in us and through us identifies us. Christ's love in us and through us identifies us. Does love identify you? And if not, what does? Sadly, our culture, they've come up with uh, various attributes when it comes to a Christian out there. They would say, oh, I know what a Christian is. They're the judgmental ones. They're the hypocritical ones. You know, they say one thing, do another. They're the ones known for all their division. They can't even get along with each other. Look at all their denominations. And they're the ones known for all their opinions and their anger. In fact, one recent college graduate wrote me just a few weeks ago. And she stated, people would often come to UC and stand outside and shout at people about how they were going to hell while holding up signs. These people had so much anger toward others. And then she asked me some questions in this email. How often do Christians experience road rage when someone is driving too slow? And how often do Christians get frustrated when someone is blocking them from getting what they want at the grocery store? Friends, Christ's command for us to love should capture our full attention. 
It should call us to look deep into our hearts and look deeply at our actions to see what identifiers are actually true of us. That's why when John writes about love and we think, what a great topic, this is going to be an easy one. He gets right to the heart of it all. Look what he writes. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. They're still there, he said. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Those are strong words. In fact, in the Greek, hate means to detest someone. And love, you might have heard of that as agape love, is a love marked by faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice. And so John says that whenever we truly love one another, when we agape one another, we are in the light. When we detest another, we are in the darkness. And those distinctions should really bother us in light of what Jesus said about us. In fact, who we are as his followers. He said, this is who you are. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Well, John remembered those words. That's why he's not pulling any punches here. He's telling us that either your love for another proves you are in the light or your detest or indifference towards another proves you are in the darkness. In essence, John is saying, you might call yourself a Christian, you might have prayed that prayer to become a Christian, but if you don't love one another, you are not a Christian. Rather, you're downright lost. Serious words. Remember what he said. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. They can't see it. But the world sure sees it. In fact, they can discern a lost Christian from one who is a true Christian by our love. Here's the thing. Love and hate are like light and darkness. They don't play nicely in the sandbox with one another. Rather, one dispels and repels the other. So which one is winning in your life? It's a really important question. I'm asking because throughout this pandemic, far too many people who profess to be Christians have allowed darkness to win. I know personally I've had people from our congregation come up and say, I used to have friends, Christian friends for years. They're not friends with me any longer, merely because I wear a mask. I mean, we have defined who we're going to love based on ridiculous things. It should be about Jesus. In fact, various studies now are finding and sadly finding that around one third of all pastors in our country want out. They don't want to do this job anymore, not because of what the culture is saying, but because of what they have to deal with within their own congregations. The hurt has been immense. And throughout our country, really, the, the heart set behind it is kind of this. Like, if you don't vote for the same political party I vote for, then I'm not going to have anything to do with you any longer. And if your non-essential beliefs don't line up with my non-essential beliefs, then I'm going to make mine essential, and I'm not going to go to church with you anymore. When you think about this, many of these Christians are the same ones who spoke so passionately against cancel culture. I don't know if you've noticed, but many people have talked to me. They've been impacted. They've been hurt. Friends, our failure to love others signals who we really love. Ourselves, our opinions, 
our hypocrisy, our need to be spiritually elite at any cost. Love and hate are like light and darkness. Which one is winning in your life? I tell people, I often get on my elliptical. And uh, since I had my hamstring injury some years ago, I can't run anymore, so I'm relegated to my elliptical. Uh, So I don't get anywhere, but it feels like I do. And and so I I get on my machine, right, and I, I... put my earplugs in and, and my earphones, and I, I let the phone just kind of pick songs for me. It's kind of a fun thing. I mean, sometimes I'm doing, you know, the, the elliptical, and, and a song will come on. I'm like, phone, what were you thinking? Like, this is not a good song. And then sometimes a song just seems to fly in from nowhere. Well, just this past week, I'm on the elliptical, and here comes this song. It not only took me back like 30 years It took me back to the heart of what we're called to. You may not have known this song. It was actually a hit song in the Christian world. But I wanted you to hear the words to this song, and I'm just going to ask you to listen intently to the words so that it might help overshadow the performance. How's that? Sometimes it's hard For me to understand Why we pull away from each other So easily Even though We're all walking the same road Yet we build dividing walls Between our brothers And ourselves But I I don't care What label you may wear If you belong to Jesus You belong with me The bond we share is all I care to see And we can change this world forever If you'll join with me Join and sing That you're my brother, you're my sister So take me by the hand Together we will work until he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when we're walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. Will you sing it with me? You're my brother, you're my sister. So take me by the hand Together we will work Until he comes There's no foe that can defeat us When we're walking side by side As long as there is love We will stand As long as there is love we will stay. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you live that right now? Out on the streets in your workplaces? Here at church? As long as there is love, we'll stand. As long as there are our opinions, we will fall and we will divide. 
will fail to represent Jesus Christ, not only in our city, but throughout the world. Friends, after all, love is something we do. It's not just something we feel. And love is active. It's not passive, neutral, or pharisaical. You see, Jesus modeled a love that defies human explanation, which is why the Bible says he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. You see, Christ's love, which the great commandment calls us to model to others, then includes sacrifice, true sacrifice. We used to call it around here, others over me equals Jesus. That's why Paul wrote, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That's sacrifice. And Christ's example of how he sacrificed for others should, should then lead us to, to look at what it looks like to sacrifice for others. And it means that we're not going to call other people to sacrifice some of their non-essentials in order to remain in good standing with us. Friends, love. It's not like that. Love also displays mercy. The compassion and kindness shown to someone who it is in their power to punish or do otherwise. Think about that. Do you have mercy? I mean, sometimes people, they just hit a hard road and they don't see it coming or know why it's coming, but it's just hard. Some kind of physical setbacks, other things. And then there are times when people, you know, they're experiencing a difficult time and people would look on and go, well, that's because they, they made decisions that put them there. And so they feel justified to just kind of walk the other way. No, 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 mercy. Mercy is compassion and kindness. Christ's mercy was not mere sentiment. It was powerfully evident. It's why John said, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. So is your mercy evident? Is it concealed? Or is it non-existent? Real love also displays obedience, submitting to what is right when it isn't easy. It's why, listen to these words, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Well, that sounds great, you know, when you hear it, but let's think about some of his teachings like, take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes Christians hear that like, well, I just want to go to heaven. I don't want to have to die to anything. Or, or this, bless those who persecute you. Well, that's great for other people, but I was hurt by that. I don't want to bless them. Or turn the other cheek. How you doing at that? True love also displays selflessness. And here's the thing, selflessness isn't about never thinking about you. It's about not only thinking about you. And when it comes to selflessness, we're commanded eight times in Scripture to love our neighbors as ourselves. And it's a foreign concept, really, in our world today. It's, I, I say that because people talk about loving your neighbor. People talk about that in our, in our culture, and you can hear this on the news, but it's very aspirational. Where do you see it lived out? Christ calls us to more. In fact, Paul wrote, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So be honest with yourself right now. When and where have you put the interests of others first? Has it been a long time? And I'm not talking here just about your intentions, but your actions. True love also embraces unity. 
joining together around a common purpose despite our differences. The common purpose is Jesus Christ. And that means we can't naturally think what we want to think, and we certainly can't think what our culture demands that we think. Rather, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Do you? Or is your mind made up? Is your mind being conformed by the culture? Or is it being transformed by Jesus Christ? This past week, you know, I received the warning phone call and the phone call that one of our dear, dear people here, our family members, Bob Lindner, passed away. 101 years old. And you know what? Uh, we all tend to sit in certain spots, it seems, when we come to church. Some of you aren't like that, but I'll tell you what, most of you are. In fact, I, when you're not here, I know, because I know where you sit. Uh, online, a little safer, right? Uh, but anyway, here's the thing. Bob would always sit over here. And Bob, I've met with him several times. His preferred way of coming to church would be, let's sing hymns with an organ and a large choir and ropes. That, that was Bob's thing. He loved that. But what he loved more is seeing the church grow and, and spread the name of Jesus Christ. And so he would come here and he would walk with help at 101 and sit over here. And when it came time to worship, it didn't matter to him that we weren't singing in his style. He would stand. And the people who were helping him would always worry about this. I could see this, right? And they, they're always around him, ready to catch him. But he would stand because everyone else is standing. And he not just sang. He sang at the top of his lungs. You couldn't stop him. I know Michael's talked to me about this before. Oh, if everyone would sing like Bob Linder, wow. Because for him, unity was essential. Before the pandemic, I had the chance to sit down with him and he talked about our youth center. He said, Phil, could it become a center that would be a ministering center for everyone to come? That youth could come, didn't matter who they were, that they could come and have their needs met. Could it become that? This was his heart. Unity. It was around Jesus Christ, spreading his name. Such a love also requires forgiveness. The conscious, deliberate choice to release feelings of resentment and bitterness towards another person by offering them grace. Paul wrote it this way, bear with each other, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. The word bear means you're going to hang in there with them for a good time, right? You're not just going to walk away. Uh, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Some years ago, I was hurt uh, by a man who was uh, very, um, certainly uh, by many people, uh, upheld as a very kind of uh, religious man. And uh, he, he hurt me uh, horribly. In, in fact, uh, I've, as a pastor, I've gone to, you know, retreats and things like that and, and been told by professionals that I can never share what he did. And I asked why. And they said, well, because someone who is a Christian will no longer want to be one and someone who isn't a Christian will no longer want to become one. You can never share this. It's bad. And I'll tell you what, I just, just before the pandemic, I went to this conference, and there he was. So I walked up to him, we talked, and asked him if we'd sit down for lunch. And there was nothing inside of me, I was so glad afterwards, nothing stirring, I just, there's just nothing uncomfortable, because 
I've been preparing and that, that hard thing about bless those who curse you, I've been, I've been praying prayers of blessing over him and his family and his work and all of his relationships for several years. And God kind of changed my heart and all that. I've seen him another time since then as well. And even though there's a few people in my life who know the details, say, I could never sit down with that man ever under any circumstances. I say, oh, but that's not what we're called to. We're called to forgive. We are. And how did Jesus forgive us? Fully, fully. That's love. That's light. But it's not how our culture defines love. Rather than embrace agape love, well, our culture, you know, really looks to other lower forms of love, which, you know, can be good. The Bible talks about some of them, but they also go to some of these redefined versions of love. When it comes to the other forms of love, there's phileo love. The Bible talks about that. It's a beautiful love, a love between friends, and we need that kind of love. We need that kind of friendship in the world. But we got to be careful because if it's not combined with God's agape love, well, then that kind of love will never extend to those we don't naturally like or that we don't look like. And then there's storge love, which is the love between family members. And our families need more and more love between each other. I mean, let's have it, right? Let's, let's live in that. But separated from God's agape love, our family can become so central, we don't really have time for anyone else. And so we drive home, we go into our garage, close the garage door, we live in our home, we wake up the next day, we go out, and people see us, but they don't see us, they don't know us, they never talk to us. We gotta be careful. Then there's Eros love. This is a romantic kind of a love, and if not, again, properly combined with God's agape love, it can become sexually charged, selfish, domineering, and serve as an end to itself. But then there's these redefined versions of love out there. This world is selling. I mean, you've heard the word tolerance. You know, I mean, it's, it's just esteemed as this is the way we are to love. And yet, I don't know. I've done many weddings, but I've never been to a wedding where the, you know, the bride and the groom stand up here and say, I promise to tolerate you. No, no. Tolerance is a rebranded, redefined version of love that strongly promotes, really, that each individual can determine for themselves what is right or wrong apart from any higher moral authority. It deifies the false god of self and makes me an idol that everyone really is supposed to submit to. Don't buy it. And then while we have love, love comes with emotions, right? We have all kinds of emotions when we love. But what we've seen over the past several years in, in America, for sure, is that emotions, they've taken on a whole new level. That what I feel is what is true. Well, sometimes what we feel is true. And sometimes what we feel is very misguided. How many times have my feelings been wrong about something or someone? Friends, we need to be pursuing a deeper love in fact, John says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech again, but with actions and truth. I sat down and I looked at those words. I thought, okay, what are the questions this text is calling of me and, and asking of me? Well, first of all, we talked about it briefly. Are we united? 
are we united? Are you united in your family? Are we united as a church? Do we lay down our lives for each other in the pursuit of sharing Jesus and being about him? Do we, the gospel? Because if the world out there looks at us and sees as the church and the church at large in America, our splits, our factions, our denominations, and all of our opinions, then the answer to that question would be no, we are not united. We need to be united. We need to pursue unity around our essential beliefs and be careful about what beliefs we make essential. We need to be united around our words and our actions and our collaboration with other churches and God-fearing organizations, which includes demonstrating our love for the persecuted church across the world. Are we united? Are you pursuing unity in your life? Number two, are we forgiving Do we love in actions and in truth? One of the things that was interesting uh, that I learned, you know, and I've known about Bob Linder is people say, once you were his friend, you were always his friend. Bob's had the same friend since he was a little kid all the way through his life. Those are his friends. Once you're his friend, you're always his friend. But I think many times what we see are Christians who are more selfish, self-righteous, and judgmental And so the result is their neighbor becomes whomever they find easiest to love. And if that particular neighbor somehow wrongs them, they just go looking for another neighbor. We need to love with actions and in truth. We who have been forgiven much should be very forgiving. Third question, are we merciful? Are we merciful? Do we provide materially for those in need? In a nutshell, does our yearly kind of church-wide hands against hunger spill over into your everyday life of being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ where you are, where God has placed you? Are we truly helping others? Or do we just sometimes pray for them? And are we going out of our way for others? Or honestly, are we getting out of their way in hopes that somebody else will help them? Our love for others should be contagious. One pastor from Oxford wrote it this way, and I encourage you to write this down or take a picture of it. When you love people who are like you, that's ordinary. When you love people who are unlike you, that's extraordinary. And when you love people who dislike you, that's revolutionary. And Christ called us to be part of the revolution. Why John wrote, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And that's our memory verse for this week. So can you go back to the beginning? Let's say it together. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And in case, John says, in case you've forgotten God's love and how he demonstrates it, he says, well, this is how God showed his love among us. Just in case you're not clear. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
He's calling us to a deeper love. And such a love, friends, will only be possible when we understand that we are not just believers, we are followers. And that kind of love will not be possible unless we realize we don't just go to church or watch online, we are the church wherever we go. That kind of love won't be possible if we don't know so much what we believe, but we show what we believe. And we don't just say we are the light, we shine as lights. And we aren't just satisfied being disciples, we take the time and the care to make disciples. Love should be the essence of our faith. Regarding our current situation, someone wrote this, and I couldn't find who it was, but what they said was powerful. The culture war is raging in America today can only be won when churches stop building institutions that tend to fight an air war, dropping verbal bombs, and start building disciples who engage in a ground war using love and compassion as their chosen weapons. Love and compassion. Are you in? Are you love? Are you light? Friends, we love because he first loved us. That's why we love. So how can you love others? Well, this week, at your workplace, stop by that coworker's desk. You know, the one that people just kind of bypass, don't really pay attention to. Stop by their desk. How are you doing? Is there any way I can, can help you in any way? I haven't really stopped by and talked to you. I'm sorry for that. I just want to know you a little bit better. Here at church, after the service is over, instead of looking immediately for those you already know, spend two minutes looking for people you do not know and get to know them, the beauty of who they are. Love them and love them well. And this is for me and maybe for you, but when driving, be on the lookout for opportunities to let others get in front of you. It'll change you, right? I'm working on that. It'll change you. And at home, really listen to family members. Sit down, ask questions, reflect back what you heard. And as you take a walk in your neighborhood, and I encourage you to get out of the house and take a walk in your neighborhood, pray for those who reside in each home. And if someone happens to be outside their home, well then stop what you're doing and find out who they are. Introduce yourself, invite them over for dinner. This is love. Wherever you are, look for opportunities to love someone and love them well. Why? Because we love. Because he first loved us. That's why. Will you pray with me? Dear Father, you love us despite us. You, you're amazing. We thank you. You've demonstrated your love for us. The hard thing sometimes, if we're going to be honest, we really have a hard time demonstrating it to others. We, we want it for ourselves. But we live in a world where you're supposed to take the mirror along with you wherever you go and constantly look at yourself and what's best for you and what's easiest. And Lord, help us to throw the mirrors out the window and look at others, the beauty of others that you place before us in our lives. And Lord, you know each one of our hearts. And if there's someone here today who is not pursuing unity, in fact, their family and former friends know them perhaps for something else, but it's not unity. 
by your spirit, humble what needs to be humbled. Change what needs to be changed. And help them to hear you. And Lord, will you provide them the first step in pursuing unity. And Lord, if there's someone here today that uh, mercy, the idea of mercy, they love that as an idea and a concept. In fact, they're really glad they're part of a church where other people can show others mercy. But Lord, do a work in their life. Do a work in their life that step by step, they would show mercy, your mercy to others. We need to be merciful. We need to be pursuing unity. And Lord, that might not ever be possible unless we are forgiving. In our sinful state, there's so many reasons why we say I shouldn't forgive that other person. And yet you've forgiven us everything. As far as the East is from the West. Lord, may we extend that forgiveness to another. This is love. This is how you've called us to love. And we love because you first loved us. So change us, transform us, work in us and through us so that your love identifies us for your glory and your glory alone. I pray these things. Amen. Will you stand with me? Will you stand with me? Friends, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Jesus Christ. Armed with that love, let's go change the world. Make it a great week. We'll see you next weekend. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.